One Mother's Day, I, I Skyped with Mom, and uh, we're on the phone Skyping and stuff like that, and, and after the phone call, I just started crying. I told Jenny, I want to see my mom. I want to see her in person. I miss my mom. And uh, so after that, we decided, you know, we're going to make a trip. We're going to do whatever it needs needs to happen, and we're going to see our parents. And uh, now, uh, when when we met with them, when they came down, I was like, once a year is not enough. I want this to happen more than once a year. I don't care what it costs. And uh, that's where we're at right now. As you can tell, my brother and I got a little sentimental in there, or... At least I did. Sam didn't quite get there, and that was at the very end. But in this podcast, Sam and I talk about uh, family history, what could have been. We end up talking about the future and how obvious the future seems to be to us, uh, generally speaking about uh, new technology and what have you. And we circle back at the end and we start talking about family stuff again and basically our family's future. That's good enough introduction as far as I'm concerned. I've got a good hour's worth of content here, and I hope you enjoy. Oh, by the way, you're being recorded. So I got my cup of coffee. This is my first day off other than going to mom and dad's, which is a whole other story. Um, My first regular day off in over a week. So I'm working a a six-day-a-week schedule, which is kind of (laughs) wild. For me. I'm on my sixth day today. Okay, whatever, boy. Okay. Uh, my schedule is Sunday through Friday for the next four weeks. I think this is the fifth week, so yeah. Okay. So that's been um, that's been quite an experience. I went to uh, Mom and Dad's last weekend. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you if you saw the uh, recap video uh, Stacy did of uh, of her and I uh, being there. No. No, okay. I'll have to get you the links. They're really great. Uh, we uh, were really purposeful about spending time um, with mom and dad, of course, because that's an important thing to do. But um, And then with our time, um, her and I, we get to see each other often enough, which is kind of nice. Uh, very, uh, um, I don't know, it's it's good that her and I have been able to see each other as often. And I'm hoping after this year, Scott, to be able to say the same of you um, and Jenny. But... Yeah. Uh, it just was really easy to pick up where we left off because it had only been since December and before that July and before that February, you know. So, um, so uh, we picked up where we left off. So we went on these. Uh, the, so the first day we just kind of like did whatever, and then on Sunday, I think it was Sunday afternoon, we went. To, oh no, it wasn't Sunday because I left the day. So it had been Saturday night. That would have been my second night. We went uh, for a ride to Oak Forest, her and I, and we drove by the old house. Uh, we wow. went by we went by Fieldcrest, which is a school that her and I went to, of course, and the old uh, the old um, oh, forest uh, preserve not forest preserve, but the forest department or parks department had their park at the end of Craig's Drive. That the um, the old military equipment's gone, and they've knocked out tons of trees, so it looks really weird back there to me. But um, but the school looked about the same. Oh, the and, park. Yeah, the the park at the end of Craig Drive, you remember in the neighborhood that uh, had the big, I think it was a gun off of a ship or something. Oh, I don't remember. You don't remember I, that? I remember the park and we used to buy candy there and the lady wouldn't accept our, you know, pennies and stuff because she was oh. too lazy to count, and count them out. And we're like, we're kids. What did you expect? A hundred dollar bills or what? That I remember just that was one of many things that just made me feel poor. <laughs> one of many, many things. But anyway, uh, thank you for bringing that she up. Didn't, she didn't understand that change is your friend because you're going to have to make change when you break 20s and 10s and whatever. Well, I'm sure that she got what was coming to her. But one time okay. I won a, bum, a bubble gum ball with the winner word on it out of a gumball machine down there, and I won a basketball. And I thought it was so ironic because I didn't Oh, I play remember basketball. the basketball. I was there. Yeah. That basketball, up until a couple of years ago, was still at Calvary. Nice. I remember talking about that basketball like, oh, yeah, did you? I would tell people. I was always a storyteller, apparently. I, I probably got this from Papa, whose house we also visited, by the way. His house was nine minutes from our house. Do you know what questions oh, Stacy and I asked us? Or asked each other? Yeah. Why didn't we drive over there? Why didn't we see him every day? Yeah. I. Yeah. 
I don't know. I had no idea it was that close. I mean, probably it would have been a half-hour bike ride or something. But you guys were young. I was the only one that could just ride around. I went to Twin Yeah, I, I could all. see you making it over there. Nine minutes is not that much, you know. By but, car, uh, yeah, and then you know. Well, just no, add, even by bike at at a at a teenage age, I would have ridden over there. I, I wasn't a teenager there. I was just kind of getting to that age where I probably would have ridden over to his house. But I'm not complaining, mind you. I'm just uh, thinking out loud. Her and I were thinking about that. One of the things that her and I talked about is, in my mind, Scott, and I don't know. This is maybe just a little peek for you, and have no relation, but. Uh, my mind every time, every time we moved created a, a split reality. Like, what would have happened if we had stayed? You know, like who would I have become if I had stayed in Massachusetts or Illinois or whatever? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, uh, for me, the, the the beginning of my reality started at First Baptist in Burbank and being on campus there. Well, it's interesting. I started my marriage on a campus. Uh, I just realized that. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 I mean, I have memories of Massachusetts, not much before that, if anything. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember being in the cabin for whatever time we were in there while they were fixing up the house, and I remember moving into the house. Uh, that's where my life started. And, and do you remember much about uh, Burbank? Oh, uh, you know, it's hard for me at this age to know if I'm remembering, remembering. Um, But for me, my reality starts at First Baptist, and I don't know if that's talking about it. I remember the day we moved. It was my birthday. Oh, yeah, that's right. And we went to Oak Forest. So basically, probably Oak Forest was your beginning. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I mean, I remember that that threshold, and First Baptist is the the standard bearer for what a church is to me. and I yeah. said that a lot when I was there, and I told Pastor that, because I, I think he's got the purest version of uh, fundamental Baptist uh, doctrine, in that he, he did it the way that he was taught. He did it without malice or contempt, and he did it uh, just honest, as honestly as he knew how. You know, he's, By the way, he's uh, leaving. He sent a letter out. I, I heard, um, yeah, it's going to be May. You know what Dad told me? Uh, Dad told me that when, because we had been watching home video of being there, and he said when this video was uh, taken, he says, Pastor Auger wasn't even halfway through his ministry there. Oh, yeah. And he had already been there for like 10 or 15 years. Yeah. That's wild. I used to think, you know, like, that's the kind of, like, thing I'd like to do. And I, I guess I could... I, I could see myself being that kind of consistent where I, I stay in one place for that long, but that's kind of my thinking is to travel and have like a home base operations. I don't want to move a bunch of times. I don't feel it's necessary. Well, uh, I want to move maybe once or twice more, uh, but, but the second time will be within the same town or very close by, right? Jenny and I want to do a bed and breakfast, next level up. We're talking about somewhere between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollar property, and um, then from there we want to probably build uh, some small castles, uh, like cabins only in the castle theme, out of yeah. bricks, and uh, make them waterproof too, because we'll be on South Padre Island, and then uh, maybe a large castle, uh, which is like you know we're talking fantasy land, but. I think business-wise, it would stand out. It would be a huge capital investment, but uh, it's going to be special, you know, kind of like the Trump business model or something, you know, appealing to upper-class people or middle-upper-class. And uh, I, that's that's the roadmap. And there's some more details in there, but that's the... But, yeah, moving to our next move, Somewhere close to South Padre, Brownsville, somewhere like like that. And then I think from there we'll assess what the market can handle and go from there. Because there's a lot of people getting into the, I mean, cabins are not cheap. Just to build a little cabin for Airbnb or something. Yeah, you know, it can be, everything is expensive or can be. You know, it takes money to make money. But once you have it, you can start kind of leveraging it to move your way up the scale. And that's why using that theme because it's not going to it's not going to be likely we could start off because the the actual main palace 
will be, I mean, we're not talking about an actual necessarily $20 million facility or anything, but probably in the millions, you know, under $5 million is probably what I'm guessing is the cost. Uh, that's, uh, so going there, it's just not going to be a likely scenario, but moving from the smaller castles and building a business model, I mean, obviously, middle class people, maybe even a lower middle class could afford to get into the, you know, cabin-like castle to be mini castle design, still going to be expensive. But anyway, enough about that. But going back to moving around, yeah, I, um, getting to where you want to be, where you want to live, that's the big part. I got one more, one or two more moves in me. Yeah, it's a lot of work. You know, when we were, I think when we were leaving uh, Oak Forest, I had this like, oh man, moving is so cool, starting a new life. I just think we were miserable though. And I kind of think that I was hoping that that would kind of reset any kind of drama that had happened in life at that point and kind of give us a new start, which is from, from not, Oak not, Forest to, to Iowa. Un, yeah, yeah, not unexpected, uh, um, you know, not an unexpected uh, expectation of a, like, 10-year-old. I think I was 11 or turning 11 when we moved to Iowa. I was 11 because I turned 12 there. I thought I was a teenager. Uh, and Iowa was probably, like, my Oak Forest move, you know, age-wise. Yeah, interesting, or at least yeah, that's probably about right. It was probably three to four years, so it was probably about the same difference. I wonder when's the last year we went to a family camp as a family. I mean, redundant there, but uh, probably Oak Forest would have been the last time. Did we ever go in Iowa? Yeah, I guess we, we didn't go in Iowa. Otherwise, Sarah would have been with us. But I, I went to the uh, Opstaff, and I think you did as well. I did... Um... I did the summer that we moved from Iowa. I was 14, I think, or was about to turn 14. No, I was 14 because I was 14 when we moved to Iowa or Michigan. And, uh, or no, back to Illinois. I was turning 14, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, went up there to Camp Joy. And then uh, everybody moved while I was gone, which was not a good uh, mental thing for me. I think I was trying to avoid the stress of moving, though. But when we moved back, I never said officially goodbye. I just kind of was, I left to work at the camp. <laughs> and then yeah, um, I remember from camp and brought me to the house in Burr Ridge, which was kind of a, a mind bender, so to speak. That was a difficult time for you, as I remember. You spent a lot of time in your room. I was miserable and miserable when we moved to Michigan eventually after that. Like, so that was a, like a good solid couple of years. Yeah, and I went off to college when you guys went to Burr Ridge. I was there for that summer. We made some videos. If we knew about YouTube, we could have posted them on there and maybe we, things would have been different. I don't know. <laughs> There's a little bit. I've, I've seen pictures from there recently and from Iowa, really. Yeah. We started making videos in Iowa. I don't know when YouTube's came out, but um, yeah, we, I, just video and the internet just did not clash, you know, didn't, didn't go together. Well, it was, well, no, because it would take forever to download. You, know, you didn't stream videos, you downloaded it, them and then watched them. <laughs> and, and Yeah, to upload is even longer. I mean, to upload a video would have taken all night. And you, so you're tying up the phone line and everything. So that was just, even when I had high-speed internet, at Larry's. I, I made a couple of videos, but I never posted them on YouTube. I just didn't understand the the concept. Did he show you how to do that and you didn't do it or what? I, uh, I didn't think of YouTube as... Uh, I, don't, I don't remember when I started using YouTube as a, an entertainment slash... Oh, uh education source. Uh, I think TED Talks were the first thing. I, I That's really the only reason I went on YouTube originally is TED Talks. I was trying to up my game in learning, and that was kind of the starting point for me. I thought I was really highfalutin then. You know, TED Talks now are just... I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. The lowest hanging fruit. Well, it's a good, it's a good starting place, though, and I, I have to keep that in mind when I'm hanging around um, people and trying to get them to educate themselves, so to speak, <laughs> like little baby steps. Yeah, they. 
Uh, you hear Blinkist being uh, promoted all over the place. And, you know, there's a place for a Blinkist, but if somebody thinks they're going to get the education of an eight-hour book in 15 minutes, they're delusional. You know? Well, just for um, visibility for you, I haven't seen one of the Blinkist commercials in eons. Oh, okay. Well, it must be the ones I follow. I It was on... Uh, the Tom Woods show, which I just recently started listening to again, he's got some uh, middle grade education on economics and uh, governmental philosophy. He's an anarchical capitalist. Um, I'm not quite there at the anarchy uh, part because he thinks that basically you could build, a, theoretically you can build a society on, on business and not have much of a government at all, if any. Actually, I mean, the whole name means you don't have any government. Uh, you have a security system that you pay for, everything you pay for. But Scott Adams is talking about uh, uh, lately that basically social media is the government to some extent. Like, I think you're kind of along the line, same lines there. As long as everybody's playing by the same rules, it can work, you know? Yeah, um, well, I have a theory. I don't know if I shared with you, but I think Zuckerberg is getting pushed out of the inner circle of the tech giants. And yeah, of course, because he doesn't tell the line, but that could be a good thing for him, you know, in the long run. Well, I don't know how much... He doesn't have as much power as he, these other people do. Um, Amazon, Google, uh, Apple, powerful platforms. Uh, Facebook is kind of on the outside. They don't have... I mean, he's got his Oculus... But other than that, there's not a whole lot of hardware. I forgot he didn't, or I forgot he had Oculus. But yeah, going back to that, um, I, I wrote a little Facebook thing about how people shouldn't freak, freak out about the power of the tech giants because the power is going to be limited. You know, there's going to be alternatives. It's going to take time and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, they are essentially governments now, and they have monopolies uh, in essence, <clears throat> a duopoly oligopoly. I mean, when you can concord, when you can coordinate to uh, basically oust somebody in, uh, from a marketplace, that's that's what a monopoly is. Is, somebody is that who, what they're doing? Well, that's what they did with Parler. They kicked them off all the platforms, and then Amazon kicked them off of the servers, which it was a breach of their contract. Um, so they're going to get sued. Uh, Mark Meckler is uh, working on that. I think it's Mark. I thought uh, they reopened now, aren't they? Well, they're not on iPhone yet because I I checked the other day, but they're online. Yeah, they they've got a, they've still breached a contract and they're still going to get sued oh. for the the amount of uh, revenue or whatever they would have lost. Uh, but that's just that's a coordination. Doesn't you don't have to have emails going back and forth to show that there's a coordination between tech giants at the same time for making all the same decisions in a way that cripples somebody's business. Um, so it's interesting to watch. A lot of people are getting freaked out by this, but I just feel like we have enough competent people on the right side to offset this. But it's not going to happen overnight. Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, all those didn't happen overnight. They take... They took a long time, but the good news is it's not going to take as long for these other things to work their way through up and become relevant and build the infrastructure. Trump is supposedly doing something like that, uh, working in the background. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, Trump sent out another quasi-tweet or whatever. Um <laughs> Um, about them endorsing somebody for governor of some state. I don't know. Yeah, no, he's got his, his own website where you can keep up with his public statements and stuff right now. Oh, really? What's it called? Is it uh, the the old one? I think you could find it at donaldjtrump.com, I think. Uh, it's called something else. What is it called? Uh, Save America? I forgot. It's on my computer. Don't blame me. I voted for Trump. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like so many. <clears throat> yeah. They changed the rules. You know, they changed the rules, and now they don't like uh, when 
um, George is going to change their rules too. Oh, we want to change the rules on our end illegally, but when Georgia does it legally through the democratic process, they don't like that. These yeah. people are, are I, I'm with uh, Scott Adams on this, you know, Coca-Cola. I, I have 10 cans of Coca-Cola that I haven't drank, <laughs> but it wasn't because of that. I already wasn't going to drink those and we we're going to give more to the, uh, the guests, but I feel like just throwing them up as high as I can into the air and watching them explode on their way down. <laughs> Remember we yeah. did that in, in Iowa um, when the machine like had extra diet Pepsis that nobody wanted? Or, yeah, I don't five. remember doing that. I do remember the machine and messing around with it and having too many diets because we wanted Mountain Dew. Why couldn't they just have two Mountain Dew options? Yeah, so somehow, I don't know why, but there was a whole bunch of Diet Pepsis that were not in the machine, and uh, nobody wanted to drink them. And That's hilarious. We didn't even want to drink them. Mom, Mom probably would have drank. Oh, no, she drinks Coke. Well, so we shook them violently and then threw them as high above the parking lot as we could, and they would come down and splat and explode. Teenage fun right there. That was fun. Yeah. Do you remember trying to make a um, a shotgun shell go off with a BB gun? Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. We yeah, tried we, to do that. Off we tried to hit. Well, we didn't have a gun, and so we tried to hit where the firing pin goes with a BB. That was funny. Yeah. That. Uh, I wonder how that would have worked. It would have exploded. But it's, I don't uh, think it, I don't know it's an open explosion. So, yeah, it would have been an open explosion, so it wouldn't have been like the same thing as a shotgun because all the power is concentrated in the uh, in the tube barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have just kind of bladded out, I would think. But I think it might have been birdshot. Who knows? Like a, yeah, it would have been a bunch of BBs that, I don't know, it would have been a little firecracker maybe. Yeah, that's my guess. Um, so, uh, so I'm moving some stuff today, uh, which is good. Um, and then I'm going to be, uh, I don't know, just kind of relaxing the rest of the day, I guess. I slept quite a bit yesterday afternoon. I've been sleeping in the afternoon, kind of catching up on sleep. My left side of my back is all cramped up today. So I've been working on that. When I called you, I was sitting on the floor and then kind of listening to articles uh, being read by my iPad while I uh, laid on the floor and rolled around on this lacrosse ball. Nice. Works pretty well. I've been uh, exercising. My, my keystone habit is weight training, heavy lifting, or what is it called? Strength training. That's what it's called. So you try to lift whatever you can in six to eight reps, and you do three sets of that, and uh, it feels great. I was going to say, uh, I kind of am viewing this job as a little bit of conditioning almost for the rest of the year because it's a lot of physical moving around and lifting uh trays of uh, plants and such, and it's really been, uh, I can feel my body still adjusting. This is the end of the second week, so I'm thinking it'll be easier the third week, but by the end of it, physically speaking, I should be in a lot better shape uh, and then have a good starting point for going back to the gym. Yeah. Yep. So the keystone habit is the, the one habit that you do that enables you to do other habits. So I sleep better when I'm uh, in the process of recovery, and I feel better. Um, it, it allows me to feel better, so I'm, you know, not eating junk food or whatever. I can eat better and all that stuff. And getting up earlier or at a decent time will allow me to do a little meditation, and that's that actually contributes to the sleep. So. It all starts with working out. That's the key right there. So once you once you discover what your keystone habit is, and then you just focus on doing that, and the other things will fall in line. Yeah, I, I don't think I need to go to the gym right now because I think it would be a little too much. I'm really tired after work. <laughs> Um, but I do think that I'm getting the equivalent of it with the calories that I'm burning because I've been checking that. But um, I think sleep right now is the key habit over the next four to five weeks to make sure that I uh, stay on track, which I've been doing pretty good with. I've been making sure I go to bed earlier. 
Um, I have to get up earlier, so that doesn't uh, that doesn't even like that's not even an effort. Um, and uh, I don't know, it's been working well. Cool. Oh, hey, the thing I called you about, I remember now, is um, uh, the video of the monkey controlling or whatever is chimp or whatever controlling okay. the the video game um, with its mind. Yeah. That is really something. I just blew my mind when they said, oh, notice that the uh, joystick is unplugged. It's not actually doing it. What's what's happening is they recorded all the neurons in his brain uh, doing the activity, and when those neurons go off, the thing moves. And then they took the joystick away, and then he's just moving the thing on the screen with his mind. I <laughs> like, know. Oh, my That's goodness. Wild. This is crazy. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. And it's funny because we had just talked about this in our last podcast. And I, I told you, that was the funniest moment in that co- podcast. Is when I'm like, yeah, I'm signed up for one. And then you go to talk and they were like, wait, you're signed up for one? <laughs> like, no, not really, but uh, I want to be. Oh, but they, yeah. they say they, they say in there, the uh, well, the hair hasn't quite grown back on his head yet. But uh, <laughs> that's like. Okay, is that going to happen? Because that's kind of important. <laughs> oh, yeah, no joke, right? Um, well, you know, I'm trying to think. This is obviously the, like, beginning of that, but I wonder if there's any kind of sensation or if it's just kind of like the tech is observing the brain. Right now it's in observation mode, but uh, Elon Musk on, his, uh, on a podcast somewhere, he said uh, it can do other things. So, so just... Whatever your imagination is, probably can do that too. <laughs> well, I imagine that uh, I imagine that um, probably we'll be able to turn off and on lights in our houses or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that uh, you can get feedback as well. It can adjust probably the chemistry in your brain if you want to feel better. It can know how much is too much. It could probably help with addictions too by suppressing certain chemicals that are released when you do a drug, suppressing them so that it's mild, so you're not as addicted. I, I can imagine this. Now, they didn't talk about that. They're, they're just mainly focusing on quadriplegics and stuff like that. But they, this is going to progress in a lot of ways. And to be able to interact with the brain to where you can get information and just think about that and being connected. I'm totally for it. Yeah. Why not? That's it's so crazy. Um, the times that we're living in. I was talking to somebody <laughs> yesterday and I was like, So when I was this old, this is what I was expecting to happen and this is what's actually happening. <laughs> it's like unbelievable. Because oh, yeah. I showed that video to a friend of mine, uh, of the monkey controlling the the game and it's like it's playing pong yeah with its mind and then to be able to communicate with people you know like you know how people say well words can't express what i feel but if you had that maybe you could yeah maybe uh maybe uh i don't know the possibilities are kind of endless on that so but that was the trigger that i was like man i gotta call him and talk to him about that that's pretty uh Pretty yeah. uh, crazy stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about it. The other thing, well, on the topic of you know growing up expecting things, I expected that I would be able to buy my way into space someday, right? It was yeah. a naive thought, but that's you know I wanted to be an astronaut when I was like 12, and uh, you know my eyesight would prevent me from that. I didn't know that at the time. Um, but the other side of that is I'm probably not smart enough to be an astronaut and it, it, it probably wouldn't appeal to me. It doesn't really appeal to me at knowing what they have to do up there. I just wanted to float in space. <laughs> so that's all I wanted to do. Well, it's, and I, it's a life skill to be able to pick out what you actually want out of a complex idea. So like mid, mid-teens, I'm like, uh, well... I'll just buy my way into space one day when, it, when, it, when the cost comes down. And I believe the cost would come down. There was no evidence at the time that that would happen. But it has happened. And it's going to happen. And I will be able to buy my way into space someday. 
and it won't take a million dollars or ten million or whatever. It's it's going to be a reasonable cost once the infrastructure is built and and you know. How does Jenny feel about you wanting to go to space? I feel like she has thoughts on that. She doesn't want. She wouldn't prefer to go. <clears throat> but uh, she hasn't forbid you from going. <laughs> Uh, I speak half in jest, but you know there's some truth to that. Well, I we haven't. I mean, we initially no, but I think she could change on that. Um, the coffee's getting to me. Uh, the cream from the coffee. Oh, just I a feel little that bit. man. I just can't do it without the. Or I can, but I choose not to do it without the cream. And uh, <laughs> unless yeah. it's really bad, the cream at work coats my mouth in this nasty stuff that's hard to get out. Huh. So that's interesting that, you know, I, I had this belief, this totally naive belief that, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just, you know, it might be later in life, but someday I'll just buy buy my way into space. And I knew I was going to have to make some money. I was going to have, you know, I was going to have to have some money, but I didn't, I didn't have to be super rich. So, I, yeah, that's it's kind of a funny thing how that worked out. I mean, it's not here yet. But I totally believe, based on evidence, that it's going to be here. Yeah, I mean, you would have to be naive to say that it would not definitely not be possible at this point. You know, like it's amazing how many doubters that there are. You know, uh, oh, there's a lot of people that doubt. In spite of the oh, we'll never be able to do that. And it's like, how could you possibly say that after being alive the last twenty or thirty years? You know, my trainer with uh, for the CDL. My session trainer was telling me we were, we were talking about trucks driving themselves, and I said, "Wow, this is going to happen fast." You know, I'm here. I am getting my CDL, and already I'm seeing they're testing out these trucks on the highway. This is going to replace my job. And he said, "No, it's not going to happen in our lifetime." I said, oh, absolutely, it's going to happen in our lifetime. And the reason why is there's a huge economic incentive for it to happen. And the technology is here. It's only a matter of programming. That's it. And they have self-programming algorithms that can learn over time. Programming is the easiest part, right? (laughs) Is it not? How could you not see that? Well, the hardware is the easiest part right now because you just need cameras. Um, And, well... Yeah, and and they already okay. So Tesla already has the hardware to render what eight eight uh, video eight videos at super high definition at you know a thousand frames per second or whatever it is. They have the technology, and it's not even fully uh, bogging down the uh, system. So I think they're at seventy or eighty percent utility on their chip, and they're already mostly done with the next generation of this chip that they've designed themselves, which will be twice as fast or several times faster. So the hardware is actually easier. Um, the, the software is actually the hardest part because it's a, the human brain can drive, if it's not distracted, on two eyes. The system has eight eyes and uh, or whatever it is, six oh. or eight. And so it's actually going to be processing more information. It's never going to be distracted. So, And they're actually in the process of uh, completely redoing the fundamental system <laughs> for the third time. They're in the third iteration of fundamentally changing the system by which they process the software that processes the way things drive. Um, so it was more of a two-day, a 2D overlay, but they're changing over to a 3D system. It's going to take the images in the from all eight cameras and build in real time a 3D world. Really? I, it, yeah, it's gonna. It's building a 3D world within the system to make calculations, and all of this ha- is happening. Every second, every millisecond, it's building a three-dimensional world around it. Wow. Yeah. But, That's you know, this, this is going to have so much economic consequence. It's going to replace millions of jobs. Not, not all of them. Um, probably jobs like ours will be the last. You know, the, 
day cab drivers will be the last ones. But over the road is going to be the easiest to navigate because most it's mostly highway. And all they have to do is get a box truck from one end of the country to the other and um, somehow work out a system to refuel or whatever. That These are not hard problems to overcome. <laughs> People yeah, think of these problems, well, who's going to open up the back? Uh, probably the person that's going to be unloading it. You know, I mean, <laughs> if, they, if they come up with these objections like, well, how is it going to back up? There's no way this the computer is going to figure out how to back back up. No, it's going to back up the truck much better than anybody. All they got to do is put a couple cameras on the trailer. I mean, you've got, what, three or four fan, uh, cameras on your cell phone. So how are people not able to tell that that's already, like, close to happening? I don't understand how people could be so... Uh, Close-minded? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lack of imagination. Remember you and I were kids and we're like, wow, you know, everything that's been invented is already invented. We were so sad because it's like, ah, oh, well, here we are. Nothing's changed in several years and it's probably not going to change. And little did we know... That. Little did we know we were on the precipice of the biggest change in decades, probably. I mean, it's hard for us to tell because we didn't live through the 80s and the 70s and all those changes, whatever happened. Yeah. Um, but our little snapshot of a few years of consciousness, we're like, oh, yeah, I mean, cars are the same. There's no innovation. Um, innovation was very slow. Um, but yeah, we were wrong. Yeah, and, we, and I, we have, uh, I, I have Scott. I have mentioned that to younger friends of mine within the last week, where I'm like, hey, you know, like, listen, you have no idea what it's going to be or what the potential is going to be. You got to be ready, like, be at top of your game and working hard so that you can be ready for whatever is next. You know? Yeah. Well, that's why the CDL. I don't, I don't intend on being in this job for 20 years. I tell people that. For two reasons. One, it's not going to be here in 20 years. And uh, two, I don't want to be driving a truck all my life. Huh. So uh, how late do you work today? Uh, this is going to be a short run. I'm going to be there in 17 minutes. Call them. They can unload me probably in 15 minutes, and then I have uh, an hour drive back, if that. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it's a short day, but it's extra money. I'll probably make, well, maybe only like 70, 80 bucks. I don't know what they're, oh, no, these are pipes. Yeah, maybe a hundred bucks, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Money's money, right? Well, yeah, it's a hundred, a hundred dollars. Oh, I don't know if they're going to do a bonus for Saturday. They didn't tell me, whatever. I'll, I'll find out, but, uh. Um, it's extra, you know, it's whatever my paycheck was going to be, there's going to be extra on top of that. And, uh, bills are bill free money because <laughs> the bills are already covered. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I've been, uh, kind of focused on, uh, making those extra dollars and trying to, uh, get to where I can, uh, be ahead. So that's something that's going to happen this year and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I feel like this year, this is a breakout year for us. I think, you know, my net worth is the highest it's ever been. And, uh, you know, the apex for a long time in my life was when I came back from, from Afghanistan with $27,000 and no debt. And I was like, yeah, and it was downhill from there until I was, I was negative over $10,000, which is why I ended up filing bankruptcy and most people would think oh only what ten fifteen thousand dollars you filed for bankruptcy yeah but we were in the middle of a recession there was no prospect that i was even going to be employed so like i I just couldn't sit underneath this debt forever so i filed bankruptcy today ten grand would be nothing i'd pay that off within a year yeah well you know the time moves on it's kind of one of those things like I, I keep I've been thinking a lot the last couple of days about how when we're like just approaching adulthood, everything's new and fresh and, and we 
we're open to not only new ideas, but like, what's the best way to do this? And then as we get older, we kind of run into problems and we're like, oh, you know, like, oh, what do I do now? Yeah, I think outside the box, like there's new options. There's new, you know, you got to face it as a challenge like any other challenge. Like you can't lose that. Oh, how do you do this? How is how does one handle this? Well, uh, focusing on the right thing helps, right? So I focus on raising my income. And for every year, my income has raised, except for last year, which I lost. I, I lost more income last year than Jenny and I made our first two years. Yeah, you mentioned that. That's wild. So that's, but but we were still okay. I mean, I I was not feeling great. I had a little bit of a panic attack because I wasn't making any money at all. The early part of 2020, it got better towards the end of the year. Um, but I'm going to make all that back and uh, probably have a record year this year. Um, and so that's what I focused on, and that's what manifested. And then I focused on building my credit score for whatever that's worth. And, uh, you know, I'm around 700. It's going to be 720 uh, by the end of the year, probably more. Um, so that's a good tool to have. And then... Uh, now I'm focusing on my net worth. Every decision I make is, is this going to hurt or help my net worth? So that makes the decisions on what I buy and all that, because every time I spend money, I'm, I'm lowering my net worth. So that's a good thing to focus on. And continuing to do that, and everything that you do, all right, saving is going to help my net worth. Paying off debt is going to help my net worth. I mean, just paying off debt is increasing my net worth. I mean, that's really cool um and that's all on mint and yeah. uh i i think somebody looks at their net worth if it's negative you know try to plug in your assets uh cars and all that stuff well, it's, it's it's an application of that principle uh what gets inspected gets respected you know uh like if you're checking your net worth it, it, and uh and understanding what affects it you can um build it yeah, well, or you can't uh, manage what you don't measure. That's another way of saying that. That is uh, a very good way of saying that. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, Maxwell has a lot of those. I mean, you listen to a Maxwell book. You actually have to listen. To one of the few people I have to slow down, like 75 speed instead of 125, which I usually listen to, 125 or 150. Yeah. Uh, because Maxwell has so many sayings, you just want to pause, like ah, and he just he just integrates these sayings right into his. Right, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll have these like quotes from other people that are really profound that just are passaway lines or throwaway lines, you know, and you're like, holy crap, you know. <laughs> Speaking of which, are you following my Instagram with my uh, quotes? I'm just kidding. No, I don't have Instagram. Oh yes, yeah, Facebook entity. I'm sorry, I forgot. Well, I'm on Facebook, but I just don't have Instagram. No problem. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of load are you dropping off today? Uh, big pipes. They're, I think, 42-inch big pipes. I'll send you a picture. Yeah, do that. That's cool. Eight of them on the back of the truck. Yeah, and when yep. I get off of here, I'll send you a link for the videos uh, that uh, that Stacy put together of our trip there, because um, I think you'll enjoy that. We went on a very memorable walk with Mom and Dad. We've been trying to do that every time, and uh, it was good. The, the, the trip to Papa's house, I took a couple pictures. Maybe I'll uh, send that to you. It won't, I don't know how meaningful it'll be, but the same fence is still there that he used to paint the the old windows are on his garage, the siding. There's only one spot in the house the siding is coming off, and uh, he would be horrified, I'm sure. Oh. Um, and the, 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 the land, uh, the plot next to him, lot, yeah, lot next to him, is that uh, a house now? Or is it still? Yeah, that's definitely a house. You know, I didn't get a picture of that. I'll do that next time I go through there. I have an idea of what kind of person I want to be in my 60s and hopefully 70s, and um, I want to be totally freed up economically, helping others, and being an inspiration to to younger people. I think that's where I want to be. And um, I, uh, my 50s, I want to be building out my influence as a, a man in my 50s, 
whether that's on Biblecast or on, online or whatever. I called my 30s my momentum 30s, and I have built momentum. I couldn't have asked for better momentum. My 40s, I'm, I'm going to focus on exponential growth, net worth, and all that stuff. And uh, that's going to enable me to retire in a matter of speaking and uh, be able to focus on creating content from the Bible and all that other writing, whatever else. And uh, that's that's what I want to do. It's becoming clear to me. And um, I'm, I'm setting myself up to for my future me. And it's interesting because a selfish person... We, we say a selfish person is the one who only lives in the now, doesn't care about the future, and all that. And the irony in life is you have to be a selfless, selfless person in order to become great. And you have to be selfless with yourself and defer to your future self and try to set up for your future self and love that person in the future. <clears throat> and if you don't sacrifice now for that future self, you're going to pay for it. Unless you yeah. die first, you know. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah. And I, I see these guys really old, driving a truck, and they'll say, oh, I, you know, I could retire, but, you know, I should. No, they can't retire. Otherwise, they would. Nobody does work just for fun. I mean, it, it, it's a <laughs> sham. In one case, the guy still had to pay for his truck and all that stuff. In his 60s, and he's got truck payments and stuff like that. That's pathetic. Yeah, I agree, and it's hurtful, it feels to say, but it's like, how do you, you, I mean, I feel like if you're 60s and you're paying a truck payment, like, you're, you're, part of your responsibility is to tell us how to avoid that, you know? I real. this is part of the net worth thing, right? It, and you, I didn't quite figure this out until you see it, right? On, on Mint, my net worth, or the, the net worth of my car is dropping along with the payment. So at first, the, the loan, it's underwater, right? The, the car is worth 10000 The original loan is like twelve because they wrapped in some costs or whatever. <clears throat> I, I added some stuff to it. Uh, I prob- There's a $500 deal they put in there for if, in case it got stolen. It's good for three or five years or something. I paid 500 bucks for that. I wrapped it into the loan. I probably shouldn't have done that because I got full coverage. I wasn't even thinking. But anyway, they, yeah. they sold it to me. But Do it, you want me to come steal your car, Scotty? No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm going to be putting it in the ship, shop. Yeah. I, I, but anyway, um, but seeing that and watching the value of the car drop, while you're paying it off and paying interest, you don't fully comprehend what's going on. You're borrowing money to pay for a, a depreciating asset that's dropping in value. This is the worst. A car loan is the worst possible loan you could ever get, even if it's low interest rate, because <laughs> you're you're paying off something that's evaporating. You're you're spending money on something that's going away. It's, yeah. I don't, I don't know how to explain. You, no, I know what you mean. It, what's in what's in effect happening is you're paying a maintenance fee for driving. Conversely, my house has gone up fifty thousand dollars in value, while the loan on it has gone down. So it would have already been a positive net worth asset if it had just stayed the same price, but now it's gone up, and uh, that's a whole different ballgame. You want to buy more of that and less of the car, you know, but. I know people that well, once they pay off their car or they trade it in and get another brand new car that's going to drop five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 in value as soon as they drive it off the lot. And then they're going to have $600 payments every month uh, for the next five, six, seven years. I, uh, a friend of mine, uh, his uh, girlfriend has this nice car and I was like, oh, did your mom, mommy pay for that? And I was, I, I didn't mean it to come across that mean, but it did. And she's like, no, I'd pay the payments. I'm like, how much? And I was kind of impressed. And then I was like, how much are the payments? They're 400 a month before. And I was like, no, thank you. Not impressed. <laughs> and it's, not yeah. it's impressive that you can do that. But like, <clears throat> why didn't your daddy tell you that that's a stupid plan? Like, Oh, I know a couple who bought a, a vehicle, a, a cousin of theirs or something was a car dealership. 
and they didn't have good credit. So, so they so they uh, they helped them out, quote unquote. Right? Oh yeah, helped them out, getting them a five or six hundred dollar payment. Oh no, it wasn't that. Well, whatever the payment was, the interest was like twenty thousand or twenty percent, eighteen twenty percent interest on a car. They were way under what, and it was a brand new car. It was a disaster, just a complete disaster. And they figured it out later on, but they were stuck with the car. So. um one of these times, Scott, and I think I need to go because I got stuff to do, but we need to have a conversation and maybe go through memories of Papa because you're going to have different ones than I am because he was younger when you were aware of him as well. And uh, I think that that would be a good topic because uh, I – and same thing with Grandpa. I, I think there'll be less there, but I think it would be worthwhile. And I think it's honoring, and I really am kind of into that right now. I want to I want to kind of yeah. like think through – now is a good time. It's kind of – poignant because he just passed but it's a good time to revisit papa as well and maybe even judy at some point yeah it's like a biography for the family so we can call it the familyography <laughs> and and you know maybe with permission we could uh i i don't know scotty but i think that one of the most touching eulogies i've ever been to was larry's at uh, grandpa's funeral good night yeah, I've got that in two parts on on there, and uh, I still have to put them together. But uh, yeah, I think that was great. And that was it, it's really it's it's a great story because it's a story of of somebody who's talking about their father, and and uh, you know probably had some cold feelings at some point in their in their life, and probably justifiably so. You know, I mean, your father moves away to Florida. You're you're still in Illinois. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. But uh, it's kind of crappy. That's what, what you say about that, I guess. The opposite happened. I left uh, my dad and I went to Texas. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I think I, I, family. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think about. Yeah, and Dad was. Uh, he admitted he was kind of. He felt. I think he felt a little hurt that I moved to Texas and left everybody. And then they all moved too. Everybody moved after I did. Uh, Stacy and Shane moved to Nevada, and uh, Dad and Mom moved to Illinois, and Sarah also moved to Nevada and then back. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I I didn't think about it. I remember you and I talked about, Dad, we both had gray hair, and I asked Dad, how do you think, how how does it feel to have two sons that have gray hair? He says, old um, and we kind of we kind of joked at that, but uh, reality's setting in now, and it's like, oh yeah, you know what? Uh, let's let's meet more than once a year. You know, I want to see my parents more than once a year. Oh, I have to say this, and then I, I got to go because I'm also at my destination. But yes, one Mother's Day, we're at, I, I skyped with mom. We're on the phone skyping and stuff like that, and and after the phone call, I just started crying. I told Jenny. I want to see my mom. I want to see her in person. I miss my mom. And uh, so after that, we decided, you know, we're going to make a trip. We're going to do whatever it needs needs to happen, and we're going to see our parents. And uh, now, uh, when when we met with them, when they came down, I was like, once a year is not enough. I want this to happen more than once a year. I don't care what it costs. And uh, that's where we're at right now. And on that note, I will bid you goodbye. Because <laughs> I'm at my right. destination. There's a security guy. <laughs> okay. And I'm not crying yet, so that's pretty good timing. So. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> see you, Scott. All right. Bye. Bye.